While Anselmo persevered with his own projects, including in works like Arson Anthem and Viking Crown and Necrophagia, Vinnie and Dimebag found revitalization with Damage Plan. Pantera bassist Rex Brown moved forward into working with groups like Crowbar, Cavalera Conspiracy, and Kill Devil Hill. Though Pantera was over and done with, the fans would at least be able to follow the former members into their own projects. And although things were looking up for Dimebag Daryl and Damage Plan, tragedy was just around the corner. While Don McLean would assert that February 4, 1959 would be the day the music died in his song American Pie, for countless metal fans waking up on the morning of December 9, 2004, it felt like this was the day that groove metal died. Previously on Heavy Metal Historian, we reviewed the influence of horror on metal and various subgenres, including a look into the origins and rise of groove metal. Now we revisit the tragic night of December 8, 2004, the fallout among bands and fans the following day, and the aftermath of the event. But just as importantly, we discovered that perseverance in music can help in at least the partial healing of wounds that could never fully heal. From the final live performance of Damage Plan to the advent of Hell Yeah and into the rise of new metal and metalcore, we take a look into the status of groove metal from 2004 to today and onwards. We close our examination of the subgenre and dig deep into the future of groove metal. Welcome to episode 51, I am Greg Davies, your heavy metal historian. By December of 2004, Dimebag Daryl and his brother Vinnie Paul found new life in their new band Damage Plan. After a very public split with Phil Anselmo and Pantera effectively dissolved, the pair had reinvigorated their spark and moved on to a new phase. And for the most part, everything was going swimmingly. Although Damage Plan was, for all intents and purposes, a new band, they found themselves back to playing clubs. It was a far cry from the stadiums of Pantera's heyday during the 1990s, but it was a start, and the group was starting to gather attention. Their debut album, New Found Power, did especially well in the United States, peaking at number 38 in the Billboard 200, while singles Save Me and Pride reached 16 and 30, respectively, on Billboard mainstream charts. It was an outstanding beginning for the band, numbers-wise at least. So for the most part, everything was looking great. And then, December 8, 2004 arrived.
or damage plan the day of December 8 began like any other on tour. They arrived in Columbus, Ohio, ready for a show that night at the El Rosa Villa. But the show itself would result in an event that would shock the heavy metal community with a loss that would be felt for well over a decade. Moments after the band began performing, an audience member by the name of Nathan Gale walked on stage and shot Dimebag Darrell three times in the head. He was killed instantly. The audience initially thought the shooting was part of the band's act that perhaps Damage Plan were taking on shock rock tricks of the likes done by Alice Cooper or Kiss in the past. But as Gale kept shooting, it became apparent that this was no game. The band's head of security, Jeff Mayhem Thompson, attempted to tackle Nathan Gale but was shot and killed, as was an employee of the El Rosa Villa named Aaron Hawke. A fan, Nathan Bray, was shot and killed by Gale simply because he was attempting CPR on both Dimebag and Mayhem. Damage Plan's drum technician was also shot three times when he attempted to disarm the gunman. While the police made their entrance at the front of the club, Officer James Niggermeyer came in via the back door, which enabled him to come to the back of the stage. As Niggermeyer snuck on stage, he fired a single shot at Nathan Gale, striking the gunman in the face. The disaster cost the lives of four people and wounded seven others, but the fallout was immediate. In this newer internet era, news began to spread rapidly among fans online that something very wrong had happened to Dimebag at a Damage Plan gig. As news media began focusing on the event, it was eventually brought to the attention of nationwide media. Many fans waking up to head out to work or school received the jaw-dropping information on that morning of December 9. Dimebag Darrell, Lance Abbott, had been shot and killed on stage. He was only 38 years old. of Dimebag's death was met initially by disbelief among many fans, but as the mourning continued, friends and fans of the musician began speaking out about the event. Some considered the onstage murder to be the equivalent to 9-11 in the music entertainment world, that everything had now changed. Dave Mustaine hosted a tribute show on VH1 celebrating the life of Dimebag. A memorial gathering occurred with Eddie Van Halen, Zach Wilde, Kerry King and others who all got together to have a drink in their colleagues' memory and all revealing that they had all been working with or attempting to work with Dimebag on a variety of projects. Most of these projects, or any efforts placed towards them, may never see the light of day. But the rift that had developed with Pantera deepened even further 
Now that Dimebag had been murdered, Vinnie Paul rejected any attempts by Phil and Selmo to reconcile. And Selmo was publicly told not to come to Dime's funeral and that he would not be welcomed. The rift between the two continues to this day. Nevertheless, Dimebag's funeral proceeded without incident. He was buried in a Kiss casket donated by Gene Simmons, who was well aware of how much of a Kiss fan Dimebag was. After the funeral, legend has it that Dave Grohl of Nirvana and the Foo Fighters met with Vinnie Paul. Having lived through tragedy in music himself, with the suicide of Kurt Cobain years earlier, Grohl confessed to Vinnie that Dimebag inspired him to be as opening and welcoming to other bands and fans as Dime was to him. He urged Vinny to continue in music and that in music he would find healing. Vinny Paul took the advice to heart. His first mission was to memorialize his brother musically. He released a DVD similar to the Pantera Home videos from the 90s called Dime Vision Volume 1 featuring footage of early Pantera days, including the band playing a gig in Lawton, Oklahoma. Vinny's next step was in releasing a long-term project that he and his brother had been developing with Pantera bassist Rex Brown and the outlaw country legend David Allen Coe. Attempting to capture the spirit of the Southern Rebel attitude, the collaboration with Coe and Dimebag was a merging of genres. While it was part metal and part country, it was also weirdly neither. The fusion of genres was an interesting and welcoming change. The release of Rebel Meets Rebel was a fitting tribute to Dimebag Darrell and his continuing journey to evolve musically. After paying tribute to his fallen brother with Dime Vision and Rebel Meets Rebel, Benny Paul then moved forward taking on Dave Grohl's advice and established a new outfit by the name of Hell Yeah. As the band Mudvayne began winding down their career, though a reunion is most likely inevitable, vocalist Chad Gray joined with Vinnie Paul in the project. They both grabbed the country metal and southern metal elements of Rebel Meets Rebel and merged them firmly with the sentiments of groove metal established by Pantera and Mudvayne. From 2007, with the release of their first three albums, Hell Yeah, Stampede and Band of Brothers, the group received mixed reactions from fans as they struggled to find their own musical identity, jumping from one extreme of country metal and southern metal into groove metal and extreme metal and back. However, in 2014, the release of the album Blood for Blood, in spite of not charting higher than earlier albums, was a clear indication that the band had finally found their specific sound and musical identity. 
Paul found new life with Chad Gray and Hell Yeah, the other former members of Pantera also moved forward. Phil Anselmo continued his projects and work with the band's Down and Superjoint ritual, later to be renamed to simply Superjoint. Anselmo also worked with hardcore punk outfit Arson Anthem during the period, after which he also began preparations for a solo career. Rex Brown also worked with Phil in Down, but on the other hand, he also temporarily joined fellow Groove and Sludge Metalers Crowbar on their 2005 album, Life's Blood for the Downtrodden. The album was dedicated to the memory of Dimebag Daryl. After guesting on a few tracks on some albums by the likes of Cavalera Conspiracy and others, Rex moved on with forming a new band with Vinnie Apice. Merging elements of groove metal with elements of Black Sabbath and Alice in Chains, the new outfit was named Kill Devil Hill and was Rex's first steps into the 2010s. Pantera family entered the 2000s into tragedy and then finally into recovery and new paths, the other band responsible for the establishment of groove metal was also moving forward into other challenges themselves. Sepultura, Sans, Max Cavalera and now with new vocalist Derek Green entered the 21st century with their album Nations. The release performed poorly as far as sales were concerned and would end up being the final album released by the band through Roadrunner Records, ending a business relationship that had run for decades. For Sepultura, this would be the beginning of a struggling decline. Signing with SPV Records, the band released Roarback in 2003 and moved into concept album Dante 21 or Dante XXI based on Dante's Divine Comedy. The group's journey into more experimentalism during the decade saw their more dedicated inner circle of fans stick with the band, but saw a massive decline in overall following from other metalheads in general. The end result was the 2009 album Alex, culminating in the departure of founding member, brother of Max and drummer, Igor Cavalera. 
Igor's exit from Sepultura was an almost unprecedented situation in metal, leaving the band to continue forward with not one single original member. The most senior member of the band with the album Alex was bassist Paolo Jr., who joined Sepultura in 1985. The band had moved far beyond what it was during the days of Beneath the Remains, Arise, Chaos AD and Roots. Sepultura were entering a new challenging era without any original members. citing the reason for his departure from Sepultura as being the result of artistic incompatibility, Igor Cavalera was also going through a major shift in his life also. As his transition away from Sepultura began, Igor began to reconcile with his brother Max during 2005 and 2006. Having not spoken with each other directly for a decade, the two reunited and rumors began of a reunion of the classic Sepultura lineup began spreading. Sepultura band members Paolo Jr. and Andreas Kisser believed differently. Feeling confident with the newer direction of the band, the two were not receptive to reunion ideas. The Cavalera brothers had other plans. Refusing to back down, the brothers instead formed their own project called Cavalera Conspiracy. Bringing back the hardened edge of their groove metal and death metal roots, Max and Igor released their debut album in 2008 called Inflicted and began a new chapter in their lives, touring and playing their new music and Sepultura classics. Sepultura moved in their own direction and Max and Igor found reconciliation through the Cavalera conspiracy, Max himself continued his work with Soulfly. 
having surpassed the expectations of fans and his previous bandmates in Sepultura, Max's efforts in Soulfly were and are still highly regarded by not only his fans, but by metalheads in general. The 2000s could well have been Max Cavalera's most prolific period, working on side projects establishing the new band with his brother, but also releasing six Soulfly albums during the decade. Cavalera continued exploring similar topics and themes he had embraced from his Sepultura days, making the Soulfly project the natural evolution of his musical identity. As the founders of groove metal went through a turbulent decade, a new subgenre of metal arose during the period that would become a point of contention among heavy metal fans. New metal, merging other music elements such as rap, hip hop, electronica, and world music into a foundation of groove metal, would be a divisive movement. For many established metalheads, it just wasn't the same type of metal that we're used to while newer fans found that the sound was more relevant for them. As new metal moved into the 2000s, its subsequent dominance of the metal scene saw the rise of several artists that added further elements to their foundation of groove metal. One such band was Dope, taking influence from industrial metal among other styles. Formed in Chicago in 1997, the group has released six full-length albums and have a dedicated following. Also bringing groove metal elements into the new metal scene was Otep Shemaya, who formed the band after her namesake Otep in 2000 in Los Angeles. Taking a firm political stance with her music, Shemaya explored social justice issues with great passion and much of her music spoke out critically at the American involvement in Iraq during the early 2000s. 
Otep moved on to release seven full-length albums, often challenging the prejudices present in the heavy metal community at the time. The band became an important fixture in the Ozfest scene, having been signed there from the strength of their live performance alone. Shamaya's stances would often rile up a little controversy among metalheads online, but one thing is for sure, Otep Shamaya was an artist that would make you think and make you react. Formed out of Tennessee in 1996, another band that would push groove metal aspects further into the realm of new metal would be Saliva. Releasing eight albums throughout their career, the band would become known for songs like Click Click Boom and the duet former member Josie Scott performed with Nickelback's Chad Kroger for Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movie. While Dope advocated elements of industrial into their sound and Otep provided provocative political positions to ponder, Saliva instead studied their aim at radio platforms. The group developed and refined their sounds, developing a solid following among fans on rock radio and becoming a group dead center in a rock movement jokingly referred to as bro rock by some. In spite of this, Saliva's efforts helped in continuing the persistence of the groove metal sound. Also continuing the foundation of groove metal into new metal was alternative gothic outfit Cold Chamber, gathering pop and hip-hop elements as well as components of extreme metal. Des Fafara and Migs Rascom formed the band and would push forth a unique new metal meets groove metal sound 
that was a defining element of early 2000s metal. While the band broke up in 2003, Fafara moved on with another important group called Devil Driver, which was also built on a foundation of groove metal. Cold Chamber would eventually reunite in the 2010s, but their legacy was set in stone with their works released the decade before, paving the way for more future groove metal. progressed on the basis of groove metal, groove metal itself continued into the 2000s with a lot of new bands evolving forward with the foundation of the work established by the likes of Pantera, Sepultura, Fight and Anthrax. Byzantine hailed from West Virginia in 2000, pushing a thrashy groove metal sound into more progressive territories, while comedy rock band Psycho Stick brought back some of the more juvenile humour elements that fans were familiar with on Pantera's home video releases just injected into the music. However, one of the most prominent bands to rise to success during the 2000s was an outfit that would redefine progressive metal during the 21st century. Formed in early 2000, Mastodon would emerge from metallic roots such as sludge metal, groove metal and stoner doom metal and rock. The group would push the bleeding edge of prog metal with their sound and style, elevating their status in the metal world as one of the most significant outfits of the new century.
Elsewhere, the groove metal evolution continued growing worldwide. In Argentina, Correo emerged out of the remains of a band called ANIMAL, delivering a groove metal sound unique to South America and causing a distinct identity for Argentina's metal scene. Back in America, Ancla would arise from Los Angeles, adding aspects of traditional Latin music into their sound, such as flamenco. And in Denmark, inspired by classic rock and roll such as Elvis and Johnny Cash, Volbeat would arise out of previous musical connections between artists associated with King Diamond, taking their harder-edged metal roots and mixing it with the classic rock and roll Volbeat quickly developed a unique metal identity which clearly adopted strong elements of groove metal as their foundation. hardcore death elements of the emerging metalcore scene and blending it with groove metal, Bleed the Sky would be founded in 2002 in California. The group has released two albums and one EP. Also formed in 2002 was Blood Simple, additionally merging metalcore's distinct sound into their groove metal infrastructure. Meanwhile, Des Fafara of Cold Chamber moved forward with his Devil Driver project, combining the basis of his previous band sound with that of melodic death metal, and regularly releasing albums sounding faithful to the origins of groove metal.
Over in Canada, Threat Signal continued the trend of merging aspects of groove metal with metalcore, but also pushed forward into making a more progressive sound and identity for the band. The group was founded by cousins John and Rich Howard. Elsewhere, rising from Canton, Michigan, was a band that was the first to call themselves Blue Collar Metal. Clearly evolved from a steady diet of extreme metal, Battlecross was a band that had evidently established their basis of their sound from the works of Pantera and Sepultura, and they delivered a style that would ensure groove metal would be around for many more years. Geneva Cybreed continued along similar influences like Dope, attempting to merge further industrial metal inspirations into their groove metal sound. In Italy, Chaos Wave would be formed by Henrik Rangstrup in 2003, exploring the progressive possibilities within the groove metal sound. And formed out of the ashes of Rob Zombie's Hellbilly Deluxe and Sinister Urge albums was Scum of the Earth a mainly industrial outfit that was built out of the basis of the groove metal efforts by both Rob Zombie and White Zombie. What makes bad kids bad? What makes them do the things they do? Booze, babes, and bad guys. Girls violated. Here, the spider's creeping. Good high creeps 
Founded as a side project by Dino Cazares of Fear Factory, Divine Heresy was a step away from using industrial metal as the basis of the sound of a band, but rather using death metal as the basis and adding elements of industrial and groove to it. The efforts were an influence on Scottish outfit Breed from Within, who continued to blend aspects of metalcore with groove metal. Back in Texas, however, an outfit formed that wanted to return to the basis of the works of Seminole Pantera, while also exploiting the southern metal feeling that the subgenre had evolved into. Sometimes styled as THC, the Texas Hippie Coalition formed out of Denison, Texas, exploring their state pride and outspoken opinions through the sound and style of groove metal and southern metal. Seed was a unique collaboration from a variety of European metal bands from backgrounds as diverse as progressive metal and power metal uniting as a side project that developed a solid groove metal sound. Grouping together former members of Threat Signal and Fear Factory, Arkea was formed in 2008. Moving away from industrial influences, the outfit instead delved deeper into both metalcore and groove metal. Meanwhile, Adrenaline Mob would be formed in 2011 by Dream Theater drummer Mike Portnoy and Symphony X vocalist Russell Allen. The group was initially founded as a good time classic heavy metal band, but as Adrenaline Mob evolved, it was clear that they were edging closely to more alternative and groove metal stylings. I heard you took one in the face!
elsewhere in Sweden, Dethembra would arise from Stockholm. While technically based in melodic death metal, the band would frequently incorporate rudiments of groove metal into their sound and style, greatly affecting the band's musical identity. Back in America, out of the remains of several groups, Five Finger Death Punch was formed. While firmly based in a foundation of groove metal and hard rock, the band would push their sound into heavy commercial success. Although often criticised for their commercialism, Five Finger Death Punch could possibly be one of the most important bands with regards to keeping elements of groove metal alive today. established by Groove Metal allowed many bands to find several different pathways to success, but perhaps the most significant legacy left by Groove Metal was in its connection with and the development of Southern Metal. Prior to the work of Pantera, most Southern music closely associated with hard rock or heavy metal was by the likes of Leonard Skinner or the Allman Brothers and firmly placed within the realm of what was considered to be Southern Rock. But two major events happened during the 1990s that changed that. The first was the success of Pantera with albums like Cowboys From Hell and Vulgar Display of Power. The second was the development of the New Orleans metal scene, closely associated with the development of sludge metal and with bands like I Hate God, Down and Acid Bath. Combined with the commercial success of the likes of Kid Rock and this emerging new southern sound from both Pantera in New Orleans, an emerging subgenre later consolidated by Rebel Meets Rebel would find its significance in the founding of Southern Metal. Embracing the early years of groove metal and the long-established genre of Southern Rock, the future development of new Southern Metal sounds, the Southern Metal subgenre embraced the likes of Corrosion of Conformity, Pantera, Maylene and the Sons of Disaster, The Showdown, He Is Legend and Alabama Thunder Pussy. 
establishment of Southern Metal also came a different metal subgenre which is yet to reach its full fruition. Country Metal, firmly established with the union of Dimebag Darrell and David Allen Coe on the Rebel Meets Rebel project, formed a close place in history with the release of their collaboration. But many of the efforts in country metal haven't developed much since this time. Several artists have, in parodies, tried to merge aspects of metal with bluegrass or country with slapstick results in popular YouTube videos. But in 2016, independent outfit The Native Howl established firmly what they considered to be the successful blend of bluegrass with thrash metal, otherwise referred to as thrashgrass. And I can't help but think it's in this effort in which we see the future of country metal. Remember from our previous episodes on groove metal, we found that during the 1990s, several bands entered a copycat trend with groups like Kiss and Metallica emulating the sounds of groove metal in their own output during the decade. And this situation continued into the 2000s as well. Vince Neil of Motley Crue produced his heaviest album to date with the release of Carved in Stone. Many of the thrash bands returned to form during the 2000s, successfully retaining the more solid groove elements among their identifiable sounds. And the king of shock rock himself, Alice Cooper, would enter the new century as a born-again Christian. Returning to himself spiritually, Cooper would explore the horrors of everyday life and current affairs with the release of his most intense album of all time, Brutal Planet. The album would explore the more street-level, intense, news-relevant stories, combined with the suspenseful horror of the Alice Cooper character. From the war-torn horrors of Pick Up the Bones, to his exploration of the school shootings phenomenon in the United States with Wicked Young Man, 
the Brutal Planet album saw a reinvention of the heavy metal villain known as Alice Cooper. territory of Black Sabbath related artists, groove metal would also prove to have an influence on the musicians that originated heavy metal itself. Ozzy Osbourne began integrating elements of groove metal into his latter 2000s albums Black Rain and Scream, while his guitarist Zach Wilde would continue further with his groove metal and southern metal efforts with Black Label Society. Geezer Butler would also touch into groove metal territory for a bit with his Geezer project, but it would be Tony Iommi that would perfect it in his project simply titled Iommi, eventually evolving into a solid and amazing yet underrated project with Glenn Hughes. Initially, Iommi was an attempt for Tony to work with the artists that he himself had influenced. Working with significant musicians like Dave Grohl, Peter Steele, Billy Idol, Serge Tankian, Phil Anselmo and Henry Rollins, Tony Iommi explored the newer metallic sounds of groove metal, bringing his own musical sound into the 2000s as an important and key aspect of the heavy metal landscape. See me! 
And while other bands ran into their own taste of groove metal and newer bands blazed new pathways in the scene, the musicians of the original groove metal scene would also continue moving forward. Sepultura would celebrate their 30th anniversary in 2014, Cavalera Conspiracy would continue forward, while Max Cavalera would also continue with Soulfly. But additionally, with his new project, with Dillinger Escape Plan vocalist Greg Pucciato called Killer Be Killed. On the Pantera side of the coin, Phil Anselmo ventured into new territory with 2013 released of his first ever solo album called Walk Through Exits Only. While initially met with positive response by fans, Anselmo's career would be hit with massive controversy in 2016 where he was accused of being racist after screaming white power on stage during a Dimebag tribute show. The reaction from metalheads around the world was very negative towards Anselmo, continuing to tarnish his name. This reaction was so severe, Anselmo departed from down during the year, though participated in the new recording of Superjoint material. Elsewhere, Rax continued to enjoy success with the release of more Kill Devil Hill music and the publication of his critically acclaimed autobiography. Vinnie Paul also continues to progress forward with Hell Yeah. That said, the rumours of a Pantera reunion continue to persist among fans online, with many proposing that Zach Wilde, a close friend of Dimebag, step in for Dime during a potential reunion. While both Phil and Vinny deny the potential of a reunion, the rumours persist and will continue to circulate fandom for decades. both new and old continued to find relevance in groove metal during the 2000s and 2010s, several new and upcoming artists also found it to be a strong solid basis for their sound. Brazil's Bruno Sutter would strangely yet successfully merge groove metal with power metal, while Tiger Trigger from out of China would bring an eastern side of metal with a groove metal core. 
Elsewhere, Stallion Slaughter would form out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, successfully establishing themselves as the first and only groove metal band to write music specifically focused on My Little Pony. And from Italy, Shapeless Sphere would be founded in 2015, blending elements of death metal and groove metal, providing a new and unique feel and flavor of metal for the 21st century. In the United States, West Virginia outfit Slawar would develop their sounds and styles on the foundation of blending sludge metal with groove metal. Fall from Perfection came from out of England and was also formed in 2015. The group adds more melodic elements into their style. The 2000s and 2010s were fertile periods for metal developments in Russia, with Amandra rising in 2015 with a strong metal of stoner metal and groove metal. And from California, taking the musical premise of Pantera and mixing it with the lyrical content based on the lore and horror of werewolves, Grimwolf would develop a new version of groove metal called Werewolf Metal.
Camp.com, a whole range of bands have emerged that are pushing groove metal into different directions. Spherian from Australia, for example, labelled their sound and style as ambient groove metal, pushing progressively into experimental works. Over in Spain, Arcanus would arise, bringing technical aspects into their flavour of this subgenre. In Canada, the Mountain Man delivers a doomy and sludgy taste to the style developed by Pantera and Sepultura, while on the other hand, Sergeant Thunderhoof pushes the rudiments of groove metal firmly into the direction and feeling of stoner rock.
Over in Birmingham in the UK, Biotech Slave merges components of industrial with groove metal. From Russia comes I Killed Kennedy, an eclectic groove metal quartet that vocalizes some interesting political commentary after this election year in the United States. Zeolite from Australia build their music on the basis of groove metal, but branch out into other progressive styles in their sound, such as Gent. And from Pennsylvania, Rat God provides a true tribute to the core sounds of groove metal while keeping it closer to the recent hardcore stylings. Groove Metal has earned a solid place not only in the history of heavy metal, but indeed also in its future as well. The sound and style has touched nearly every other subgenre of metal, with many bands adopting elements of the scene developed by groups like Sepultura and Pantera. And while we may credit Dimebag Daryl with founding the style and pay tribute to him in doing so, I think he would also be happy if he discovered that the new bands now, today, are taking on board the rudiments of the subgenre he helped create. 
because looking to the future was something Dimebag always did. And now it's time for a prehistoric mosh. While Black Sabbath and other early metal acts were big influences on the likes of Pantera, the founders of groove metal would also be significant in the development of heavy metal's future. In 1991, after the fall of the Soviet Union, when democracy came to Russia, Pantera, along with other outfits like Metallica, were invited to play the one-day Monsters of Rock show in Moscow. The performance was legendary and established a huge connection between Russia and America in the form of heavy metal. With an estimated crowd of about 800,000 people, the concert was a symbol of changing times and history being made. And in the listing of many of the newer Russian bands emerging from the metal scene over the last few years, it's very clear that Metallica and Pantera had an impressive and significant influence on them. From that very same concert on September 28, 1991, here is Pantera with their live version of Domination. Let's take a listen.
Now let's have a look at this week in metal news. After 30 years of being one of the most prominent heavy metal magazines and websites, Metal Hammer Magazine may be finished as the publisher that owns the magazine, Team Rock Limited, has gone into administration. In the United Kingdom, under administration refers to a company being operated by an interim chief executive with custodial responsibility for the company's assets and obligations on behalf of its creditors. The action is often used as an alternative to liquidation or as a precursor for it. With Team Rock Limited entering administration, Metal Hammer's existence is now threatened. Several efforts have been made in crowdfunding to save Metal Hammer, while stoner metal icons Orange Goblin have announced benefit shows for Team Rock and Metal Hammer staff. Breaking Benjamin guitarist Jason Rauch and his wife Heather suffered a tragic loss over the Christmas holiday as their son was born prematurely and sadly did not survive. Rauch wrote, These last 24 hours have been some of the hardest I think I've ever faced. Most of you know Heather and I were expecting our newest little baby Rauch next summer. Little Henry Mitchell Rauch was delivered and went to be with Jesus earlier this morning. Gene Simmons has shot down reports that KISS was invited to perform at Donald Trump's inauguration. Word of KISS's possible involvement with the president-elect's big event this month began circulating when TMZ's cameras caught up with Simmons, his wife, and their daughter Sophie outside of Catch in West Hollywood on December 21, where they were asked if KISS would play the inauguration. Gene later told Fox News that KISS had never been asked to play there. As far as I know, he said, nobody ever called me. I know Donald Trump. I know our president-elect well enough, I suppose, but I never got a call. Finnish epic metalers Wintersun have completed work on their third studio album due later in the year via Nuclear Blast. The as-yet-untitled album follows 2012's Time One. Many fans might be disappointed to hear that the new album will not be Time Two, the sequel to the original album. Wintersun's new album will be released at some point during 2017. Massachusetts hard rockers Extreme are putting the finishing touches on the long-awaited new album for a 2017 release. Speaking to rock and metal revival, Extreme singer Gary Sharoni stated about the progress of the writing and recording sessions for the follow-up to their last release, which was put out in 2008. While Sharoni didn't provide a specific release date for the new Extreme album, he did state that the band wants to put out the album in 2017 and then go out on tour to promote it. Five Finger Death Punch have always shown strong support for members of law enforcement and the military, and guitarist Zoltan Bathory did it again by coming to the aid of a police officer on a Las Vegas highway on Christmas Eve. Bathory spotted the officer crouched down in the dirt on the side of the road changing a tire for an elderly woman and immediately pulled over to see if there was any way he could assist. Bathory thanked the officer for his service and offered assistance if he needed it, sharing a photo of the moment on Twitter. Tool will play its first New York City concert in 11 years as the headliner of this year's Governor's Ball three-day music festival, scheduled for June the 2nd through the 4th at New York's Randall's Island. Tickets for the festival will go on sale at govball.com. Tool last performed in New York City when it played two shows at the New York City Center. While the band has staged a number of tri-state area concerts since then, Governor's Ball marks Tool's first official New York City appearance in more than a decade. 
The band is also in the progress of recording their first album in over 10 years as well, with the hope of a release during 2017. And more feuding words have come between the Cavalera brothers and their previous bandmates in Sepultura, with Sepultura releasing a new album on January 13, and Cavalera Conspiracy playing the Roots album in its entirety on tour. Both parties have continued discussing their frustrations with the others when it comes to the possibility of a classic Sepultura lineup reunion. Max Cavalera, keen on reunion potentials, recently spoke out against Sepultura by slamming Andreas Kisser and Paolo Jr., stating, Tell me one great song they have written since I left. The statement continues the war of words banter between Sepultura and Cavalera conspiracy. And finally, Tim Lambesis of As I Lay Dying is suing the San Diego County Sheriff's Department Vista Detention and George F. Bailey Detention Facilities because... He has man boobs. Gynecomastia is a real condition and Lambesis claims that the Vista medical team refused to provide him with the prescription medication to deal with steroid withdrawal. He is seeking $35 million in damages, but we are seeking some good old pictures of the new Tim Lamboobies. All of the links for the news items can be found in the show notes for this episode over at heavymetal666.com. And if you have any awesome metal news you want us to mention on the show, please share it with us over at reddit.com slash r slash metal news. On the next Heavy Metal Historian, we take a close look at one of the most important aspects of heavy metal history, album cover artwork. From the superhero larger-than-life works depicting Alice Cooper and Kiss, to the mascot-style album covers such as with Eddie and Iron Maiden, to the development of newer styles and images in the 21st century, we examine the importance and significance of the history of heavy metal album cover art. Subscribe to Heavy Metal Historian at iTunes or Stitcher, like us on Facebook or follow us at Metal Podcast 666 on Twitter and Tumblr. Send us a message at metalpodcast666 at gmail.com if there are subjects you'd like Heavy Metal Historian to investigate a recount or if you have questions you would like for us to answer on a future episode. We'll catch you on the next Heavy Metal Historian, Hails and Horns. Until next time, we look to the future of Groove Metal with the efforts of an outstanding and upcoming group going by the name of Meridian. Firmly basing their stand on the rudiments of groove metal, Meridian delve over into deep exploration from their basis into a wide range of other styles, such as progressive metal, melodic death metal, and metalcore. Hailing from my hometown of Perth, Australia, Meridian offer a vast kaleidoscope of potential metallic sounds, but they stay close to their groove metal roots while attempting to push for progressive outcomes. From their debut EP, here is Meridian with their opening track, Children of Rust. Thank you.
Heavy Metal Historian is a non-profit podcast produced and presented for educational purposes. All music and clips are copyright to their respective owners and are used in the podcast under fair use guidelines. No advertising is presented in the podcast or displayed at its home website, heavymetal666.com. If you hear this podcast and find it has advertising injected into it by a podcast service, please consider listening directly at heavymetal666.com. All items presented are done so out of love for the heavy metal genre. It is a show put together by a single metalhead for all metalheads everywhere. No money is made in the production of Heavy Metal Historian. Donations are also not accepted. Instead, we request you go out and buy some metal albums. Or even better, support unsigned metal bands at sites like bandcamp.com or support your local music scene. It all starts in your hometown. <laughs>